This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to Rams Talk Podcast. Uh, we're here today after a 3-1 win away at Fleetwood. We made it a little bit harder than maybe we should have, but it's a good three points all the same. Uh, I'm Jake Barker and I'm joined today by three really good lads, three lads that I'm sure you're all very familiar with by now. Uh, first off, Mr. Jamie Page, how are you, pal? Yeah, I'm good, mate. We're the regulars, aren't we? The usual <laughs> names and faces and everything like that. You finally made it to that point. It's, I it's did, yeah. Someone finally likes me, okay? <laughs> I've also got Callum Bukok. How are you, Cal? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Good, thank you. Good man. And last but certainly not least, we've got Vic Singh. How are you, Vic? I'm all good. Buzzing after yesterday. Glad we got back to uh, winning ways. Yeah, we certainly are. I mean, this is our first episode since that horrible Peterborough game. Um, we've made a decision between us to just pretend it didn't happen. Because mm. why would we want to talk about that when we can talk about an away win? Um, and Jamie, we were talking in the chat, weren't we, as a, as a group before recording. And one of the big things we talked about is Derby always struggling at smaller grounds. And uh, I guess what you could call so-called smaller clubs. Um, went to Cheltenham, obviously didn't do well there. Went to Shrewsbury, didn't do well there. Went to Stevenage, did pretty terribly there. And we've gone to Fleetwood and we've put the game to bed quite early on, even with a late scare later on. We've put a small club and, and we've taken the game to them. Um, how good was that to see? Yeah, it was good. I think it was set up for us to lose. And I think in past seasons, we'd have lost that game. Um, you know, the story of, of Charlie Adam being there, there's a bit of kind of focus around his kind of managerial start. Obviously, Jack Marriott as well um, in their forward line, recalled to their forward line. So I looked at it and I was a little bit worried that potentially there was going to be some points dropped, but it was a professional performance. It wasn't, um, you know, probably the greatest game to watch. However, as we always say, when you look back, if we are going to be promoted, we don't look at games and go, oh, I wonder if we, you know, excited the fans um, at Fleetwood away or, or any games away. But a professional performance and it just keeps that that kind of I know we were obviously beaten last time out um but it keeps us going doesn't it it does I mean Callum we talked about uh Peterborough already how important was it that Derby came out of that Peterborough game and went to Fleetwood and avoided a potential banana skin Massive. I think when you look at um, the, the league table, everyone can kind of just look at it and go, oh, bottom of the league. Um, yes, they've had a new manager, but they're struggling. And um, it's one that kind of puts you on the edge a little bit because it's classic derby to go and do uh, go and do something like that and go and lose away from home. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one that you just want to get in, get out, Get the three points, however it's done, and uh, and Derby managed to do it. Um, obviously, in the end, it looks quite comfortable. I think uh, those who were there um, about seventy minutes in, when they scored that uh, that two one uh, that two one goal, thought probably it's going to be one of those days. 
Yeah, well, Vic, I mean, you know, you were the only one of us plastics that actually managed to get a ticket to go. Um, how, how was the feeling in the stands? Because you could see a little bit of unrest after their goal went in. Uh, I think people were a little bit concerned. It seemed to mirror the Wigan game in a way that, you know, last sort of 30, 40 minutes, we switched off and let the other team into the game. Um, did it feel confident? Did everyone feel like we'd be able to pull through or were there some nerves there? I think it was a bit of a mixed bag. I think there was a few nerves there. We all thought that, oh, obviously after the Peterborough result, we thought maybe this is a second coming again. I thought this is going to happen again. But I think I think with Warren, I think he got the sub spot on yesterday. I think the tactics they set up with were pretty good. He set up to a T. And luckily for us, we ended up getting the goal in the 90th rather than them, which was nice. Uh, but there were a few nerves in the stands. But I think just judging by the way, we, the role we've been on, the run we've been on and the way we've been playing, um, I think there was a slight bit of confidence where we thought well, maybe we'll just see it out. So I'm glad we saw it out. Um, but yeah, there's a bit of nerves in the stands. Yeah, you can imagine. I mean, after that Peterborough game especially, wasn't there? Um, yeah, we, we, we've not been good with late goals recently. So yeah, it was good that we managed to avoid that. Um, but I mean, there's one player that we have to start on. Jamie's best mate, um, James Collins. <laughs> Now, where else could we go? Because I put a tweet out this morning and there was an interesting reaction to it. Um, there's there's a lot of anger towards Paul Warren still, which, you know, considering where we are is, is quite surprising. But there's a lot of criticism for James Collins as well. And I know I've been one of his biggest critics over the last year and a half. But in the last sort of five, six games, we've moved to that front two. And I think he's led the line really, really well. Um, I think having Mendes Lang or John Jules up there has made a massive, massive difference to him. Uh, his confidence is clearly sky high. I mean, Jamie, as as you said, you're his biggest fan in the whole world. Um, what did you make of him yesterday and and so far this season? Yeah, I think he's, he's hit a bit of a purple patch. I think he's doing everything that we expected him to do at the start of the season and parts of his game that were probably missing, he's now doing the hold-up play, bringing others in. Um, he's scoring the chances that he's finding himself in as well. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've not been one to criticise him. Um, I think there's been times this year where you probably look at it and think, yeah, he probably should have scored or he could have been a bit better there. Or, I mean, or in a way where he's constantly offside, get back onside, James. But, you know, like I said previously, I fancy him if he's one on one or if he's got a chance in the box, I fancy him to score. And you look at the returns he's got this season and you think, you know, he potentially could play a big part in us going up automatics if he continues to keep finding the net. And he probably won't be mentioned when it comes to player of the year at the end of the season. However, I think a, a player that scores over 20, if he does that, has to be has to be in the running for me. Well, let's hope he can keep this form up, uh, Callum, because, I mean, like I said before, you know, the past sort of year and a half, he's he's not been great. Um, he's scored a, a decent amount of goals, but he's never actually, I don't think, performed too well. But I think that Wigan game was the first one where I've looked at him and he's he's really put a shift in. I know he does that every week, but he's done it effectively and he's winning the ball high up. He's holding the ball up. He's not just going down the second someone breathes near him. He's actually trying to hold the ball up and, and bring people into the game. And it's made a big difference for Mendes Lang as well, obviously running off him. You look at that first goal that we scored. It's Collins fighting for the ball who flicks it onto Bird, who plays an exquisite pass through to Mendes Lang who scores. So without Collins, that goal just definitely doesn't happen. Um, I mean, from, from your perspective, you know, on his overall game, what's impressed you the most? I think it's just his um, ability to um, put his body um, where it matters. As say that that first goal was pivotal um, in in what he did for it. Um, 
because usually he wasn't that real he wasn't really effective when it came to putting his body in front of the um that area of his game um because um, when you look at chris martin i mean you, you're you're a fan of him jake and what he brings to the table but i think he Carlos starting to do little bits of that which is what we've been needing um putting his body in front of the central defenders and being able to hold them off um so i think that's the one thing i've massively really liked as well as his work rate i think that's always one thing when you see him run from one end of the pitch he does run like a He's running in quicksand, but um, he does put the effort in, um, and uh, and now he's chipping in with goals. Yeah, it does make me laugh every time we're on the break and he's at full sprint, and then there's like a <laughs> jog past him, um, <laughs> something along those lines. Uh, and you did freeze for a second there, Cal, but I think we we got what you said, and it also scared me a lot. So. Uh, please don't mm. do that again. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> uh, thanks, mate. Um, and, and Vic, I mean, just to finish off talking about James Collins, I mean, we'll get on to looking at transfers that we want to come in and, and a couple of rumours later on in the episode. But looking at Collins, obviously Collins is scoring goals. John Jules, I don't think he had his best game yesterday, but he's always a threat and probably should have had a penalty as well. Washington's never fit. Wagon's never fit. Um even if we bring people in, do you still want Collins leading the line at the end of January? If he's still in this form, yes. Um, you can't really take him out of the side if he's still scoring goals because it would make no sense. Um, but yeah, he's working hard for the team. I was saying to a couple of the fans yesterday, if you look at the difference between Collins last season to now, he's trimmed down a lot. He's not as mm. top-heavy as he was last season. I think that's really helped him sort of get about the pitch and sort of use his body to his best ability. So... With Collins, I think you need to keep him because the big thing with him at the minute is confidence. I think he's playing with confidence oozing throughout him. So if we were to take him out the side now or at the end of January, despite him still scoring goals, um, that will knock him. And I think that could derail our sort of promotion charge. We're sort of lucky that we've got Collins hitting the form at the right time because this is the difference now between us getting automatics and finishing in the playoffs. If he's on 16 already, God knows what he'll finish on at the end of the season. So, uh, 17. Long, long... Nah, nah, <laughs> That's what he's he's, he's, he's going to get 25. I guarantee he's getting 25. Um, so long may the James, Hi James Collins hype train continue. <laughs> I was thinking about the hype train for a second then. Um, yeah, you regretted that for a long time, but it's it's back. It's finally back. Um, it, it's finally called in at the station. And before we get onto a couple of individual performances as well, there was a, a change that Warren made that I think surprised a few people and didn't surprise others. He, he dropped Joe Wildsmith uh, for Josh Vickers. And I mean, we we have our chat, don't we? And we, we were talking about the Peterborough game, especially. I thought for the second and third goal, he could have done a lot better. Um, he didn't control his area very well for the third at all, but he did make some amazing saves. And then in the Oxford game, he you know, shouldn't have booted a player in the kneecaps for the first one. And he possibly could have done a little bit better on the second one. Um, drop for Josh Vickers. Jamie, we all knew it was going to happen at some point. You've got to have a little bit of sympathy for Wildsmith, but can you see Vickers keeping the shirt? Yeah, I feel really sorry for him because I think he's a fantastic goalkeeper. And I think he surprised a lot of Derby fans. I think when we went away to Stevenage in um, pre-season and he was trying to play out under a senior, everyone thought, hmm, not not for me. I think we need a bit more experience. Um, but he has done really well. But like you say there, you don't sign your ex-goalkeeper. Your goalkeeping coach doesn't sign a player that he used to work with if he's not going to eventually end up between the sticks. So it was always going to happen. And I think now we will see them stick with, with Vickers. 
which is unfortunate because I really like Wildsmith. I think he's a good guy. Um, I think he was frozen out a little bit at Sheffield Wednesday. Whether that was a similar situation, I think I think it probably was. Um, but look, it's a it's a long hard season. We'll probably need him at some point. And as we've seen previously with two goalkeepers, I mean, I hope this doesn't happen. But um, you know, we've seen ex-managers kind of flip between two um, when they when they dip in form. But hopefully, Vickers can can kind of build upon his his performance on on Saturday and keep clean sheets and keep us in games because that's what Wildsmith has done at, at points this season. Yeah, and Callum, I mean, I don't know if it was even picked up in the highlights or anything, but towards the end of the game, it's gone a little bit under the radar. Uh, Vickers made an unbelievable save from a, a shot from a tight angle, um, just sort of palmed it away at the near post. And that save, well, it, it saved us. It would have made it 2-2 um, and we would have been in a terrible position. At 2-2, I'd probably have backed Fleetwood to win the game. Uh, when you have goalkeepers, you know, a team like Derby, they've got to be match winners. You know, you, you've got to have goalkeepers that step up when it matters. I think in recent times, Wildsmith hasn't done that. You know, when he, he, he needed to do better against Peterborough and he didn't step up. Now, Vickers, albeit it's not as big a game, but he stepped up, made an unbelievable save in the last minute. That's what Paul Warren wants from his goalkeeper, isn't it? Yeah, and he's and, and there's a reason that he was his uh, goalkeeper at Rotherham. He's got faith in him, and it seems that uh, he's crying out for for someone to really take uh, the scruff and neck in goal. And I think that Wildsmith, at the end of the day, it's like if you're left back, if you centre half um, goes out of form, uh, you've got someone right there behind him, um, and it's now Vickers' chance to to really cement that goalkeeping position. Like, I, I, I'm the same as Jamie. I think Wildsmith's been class since his. Uh, coming but I think at the end of the day if you're not playing well then you, you can't really expect to stay in the net especially when you've got someone like Vickers behind you um, so let, let's just see how it goes out I, I, say, I thought he had a really good um, first opening game uh, in the stick so uh, if he does stick with him and it wasn't just a one-off let's, uh, let's see what he does Exactly. And just having a look at the the comments, uh, we've got Tortured Pickles who said he's not a big lover of Colo, but he's working really hard for the team and scoring a lot more. And we've got Jim Johnston who says for, for Colo's goal, watch JJ's movement uh, and he caused the keeper issues. And exactly. I, I think every single player turned up, didn't they, pretty much um, across the whole team. And that was exactly what we needed. And a couple more comments talking about the uh, the size of the away win. And it was a huge win. It was a huge win. I mean, Vic, just one final bit on, on the Vickers and Wildsmith thing. Now, you know, obviously you and Vickers have a lot in common. You've both got incredible beards. Um, <laughs> but when you look at, at Joe Wildsmith, he's um, he, he's brilliant with his feet, absolutely brilliant with his feet. You could see a little bit of shakiness with Josh Vickers. Um, he's, he's not as good on the ball. Um, you know, he doesn't get the same contact that Joe Wildsmith seems to get and he doesn't move his body in the same way. Can you see us changing our style of play a little bit? Because we've always played out from the back. You know, uh, Wildsmith will play one-twos with the likes of Cashin and, and Nelson. Can you see us sort of changing it a little bit and, and going maybe a little bit longer? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what Paul Warren sort of wants to play. That's his sort of style. He's trying to get the ball as forward as quick as possible. I mean, he, he said it quite a few times on the touchline that we need to move the ball forward. You could hear him from where we were standing. That he was just screaming for the ball to be moved forward. Me personally, I think Vickers' distribution is better than Wildsmith's. Um, they're both great shot stoppers, but I just think that with Vickers, I think he's more likely to hit his target nine times out of ten. Whereas with Wildsmith, you could, especially through the last few games, his sort of wayward kicks that were going out and 
Um, I was sort of doubting the question. And I said it in the last podcast about how Wildsmith doesn't stay on his line enough for me. And he's too adventurous going forward. I think with Vickers, you've got to against Peterborough, Vick. And... <laughs> <laughs> Wish he'd come out. <laughs> Don't they? Yeah, well, it's one of those. But, but he did it against bloody Oxford, didn't he? And look what happened there. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, for me, you got a safe pair of hands with Vickers. I think he had something like, was it 14 clean sheets in like 26 games when mm. Rotherham last went up? So, you know, you've got a steady pair of hands at this level. Mm. But it's really good to have the competition between the two as well. I think with Wildsmith, we were certain if he if he got injured last season, we had nobody as a backup. It's good to have that competition. It'll keep him pushing. But hopefully Vickers keeps that share and it's his to lose now. Yeah, absolutely. We're very lucky to have two excellent goalkeepers, aren't we? Um, I don't think many teams at this level can boast uh, ranks like that. Um, but we've spoke about some individuals um, and there were three Derby players in the EFL team of the week. So not even the League One team of the week, the team of the week for the whole EFL, although most of the championship was uh, playing in the FA Cup. But sh- um, <laughs> and, and Kane Wilson, obviously excellent as always on that right-hand side. Mendes Lang, excellent up front, took his goal really well. But the player that stood out most to me, who I'm just looking on Fotham, I've got a 9.1 rating, so the highest on the pitch, deserved man of the match with two assists was Max Bird. Um, I've seen a lot of posts over the last couple of days about Max Bird and they don't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, they talk about his his record over the last sort of four years, about his lack of goals and assists when he's played as a holding midfielder for the majority of that time. He's got two goals, five assists this season. So that's a goal involvement every 2.8 games, which isn't too bad for someone who doesn't take set pieces. Uh, Jamie, I mean, we've we've always been big fans of Max Bird, haven't we, on this podcast? And I don't think there's any bias in saying that he's he's been quite good this season. He was excellent yesterday and showed exactly why we need to keep him at the club. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. I mean, as we know, and I keep talking about it in the group chat, I talk about it on here. My issue is the midfield. I think the, the back line is fantastic. I think going forward, yes, we need a couple more options. But I just feel, I mean, bringing the Peterborough game into um, question here, we just seem to get run over a little bit in midfield. And I think that the Hurahan-Bird connection for me, if they're both in there on their own, I think it's just a, it just lacks a bit of legs. Um, and I think it also lacks a bit of cre- creativity as well um, because Hurahan's just so deep. And I look, Max Bird is a, is a good player. Is he a box-to-box midfielder? Not in my opinion. I, I think he needs to be playing where Hurahan is and kind of making us kind of beat and, and tip from there. Um, obviously, Warren wants to play as captain. That's completely understandable. And I do get the influence of, of Conor Hurahan. But I just don't think it works with them too. And I think that's potentially why Max Bird and Conor have come into a bit of criticism this year. Fantastic player. If we go up, Max Bird will be our best player if we keep him. Because in the Championship, more time on the ball. And he'll be able to just do what he wants, as he's done previously at that level. Um, I hope we don't lose him. I hope he signs a contract. But I want it to be sorted out soon because if he doesn't sign a contract, I think we're in a position where we can go, OK, let's get what we need, we, we want for him now or we need for him. I don't know what that, that figure is. And let's try and get somebody else in there that's maybe got a little bit more legs or a little bit more creativity, in, in my opinion. Well, exactly. And it was rumoured we turned down a fee of around three million in the summer for him, um, which, you know, that's that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money for a player in League One. Um, especially a player that only had a year left and and now he's got six months left. If he won't sign a new contract, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because A, you know, you keep him to the end, you hope he gets you promoted. But if if he does take us up, brilliant. You know, that's worth more than any contract and worth more than any player we can sell. But 
if we don't go up, all of a sudden you've lost one of your best midfielders for nothing. Um, and, you know, will his head fully be in it towards the end of the season? We don't know. Um, Callum, I mean, just to, to touch on, on Bird's strengths a little bit more. I mean, you look at the two assists. The first one was a, a pretty sublime flick um, through on goal uh, to Mendes Lang. Mendes Lang took it very easily. I think the keeper was glued to his line. Um, <laughs> so he decided not to close him down at all. And then the second one was just brilliant, brilliant play. I mean, he skips past two players gets to the byline, cuts it back to Barquez and who couldn't miss. I mean, there's a couple of comments here, you know, saying, can he do it a little bit more? Can he be more consistent? Uh, Jamie's already touched on the fact he needs to cover for Hurrahan a little bit. What are your thoughts around Max Bird? Uh, I think when he's got the ball in his feet and we actually play it through the middle, he's got all the ability in the world um, at this level. Um, unfortunately, the way we play, it just bypasses the two midfields and they're just kind of running in there, trying to win balls and get it back out wide. It's fall back to winger, winger cross in and see what happens. It's So you don't really get to see that those moments of brilliance from him. Um, he's got it because I thought the first one, and I saw a couple of people on Twitter, as you say, kind of say um, things that, it doesn't really mean to do. I mean, the the flick was totally meant. Mm. Uh, it it wasn't a, a fluky flick. It was um, a, a great touch through. And this, as you say, the second one was great, great feet. Um, he just needs to have the play go through him. And unfortunately, the way we play under Paul Warren does doesn't do that. Um, and that's where probably in to the eye, he doesn't have that uh, that that catch for for fans um, over the last few uh, few months. Um, but I don't think it's anything against him, in all honesty. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like there is a little bit of bias towards Max Bird. I think both for and against. Obviously, we're probably a little bit biased for because we've always supported him and always, you know, sort of seen what we think he brings to the team. But there's some people that I remember when he was uh, we were playing under Rooney. You know, the season where we almost went down and stayed up on the final day. And I don't think he was great. And, you know, he picked up that reputation of only going side to side and backwards and never, ever look forwards. And I think in some people's heads, that's still there. And when he's mm. not having a stormer, people think, well, oh, sideways and backwards, the same way when I see Collins take a touch out for a throw. And I think Donkey, he's not, and he's playing really <laughs> well. But at the same time, you've got those preconceptions in your subconscious that, you know, point you towards other things. So I do feel bad for him. And, and before we come to you, Vic, there's a couple of comments about Max Bird. Uh, Godfather says, uh, with Bird and Hurrahan, we lack legs, bite and aggression in midfield. Why don't we have Liam Thompson in there? We've got Mimi J who says, Warren doesn't play to Bird's strengths. And then we've got Jim Johnson who says, Max Bird's a confidence player. When he's good, he's great. When he's wondering well. Um, Vic, I mean, it's one of them. He's a young lad. I think we forget that because he's played, you know, for us for so many years. He's what, 22, 23 years old. Um, he's played what over a hundred and summit games for us now, which is crazy at his age. Um, do we just have expectations too high for a player of that age, or is he is he underperforming? Is he is he performing at the right level? What do you reckon? I think for me, I think his hard work goes unnoticed. I think the fans focus so much on, like we've seen a few tweets put out about his goals and assists. I mean, if you look at the work he does off the ball, trying to win the ball back and sort of spray it out, or like the dribble he did against Fleetwood, um, that that's his. to me, that's his main strength. I'm not bothered if he doesn't score 20 goals, 15 goals a season. But the fact that he can break up the play, uh, he can move the ball about, he can get into attacking positions, I think... Like Jamie said, if if he wanted Bird to sort of drop back to the Horahan mode, we're restricting his play again. And he'll go back to the same Max Bird that everyone's sort of criticising now. 
if we keep him where he is at the minute, it's sort of given him that freedom to move forward. And I think he did that a lot when he was in the under-23s as well. So maybe sort of moulding back to that old player. He's got a lot more confidence about him, but he's got a lot more strength about him as well this year, which is different to what he's had before. He was quite light. He's quite light off the board. He got knocked off quite easy. Now he's... He's a bit. He's got a bit of tenacity about him. I'd like to see him with a bit more aggression, but I just think that a lot of his work goes unnoticed for me. And I think he's a bit of a bit of an unsung hero, to be honest. I think we put too much pressure on the academy lads just because our academy has produced some good players over the years. We probably wanted to do so well because we thought we know that Sibley's been a bit of a flop. Uh, maybe that's why we put a bit more emphasis on Bird to sort of be that shining star in midfield. But for me, I just think his work goes unnoticed. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm enjoying the debate about Max Bird in the comments as well. It's quite mm. interesting. People on both sides, um, seeing what people have to say. Uh, one I've seen from Alex, he said, Bird has a bit of everything, can break up play, moves the ball well and can make bursting runs. I agree. I think, yeah, I think over time he'll hold his craft. When he hits his prime, I think he'll be some player. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, right at the top of the championship or, or pushing in the, in the Premier League because he's got that sort of... Um, natural ability but to move on a little bit we we need to talk about Derby's away records now we've got the best away record in the league we've won nine games away from home which is ridiculous that's already as many as we've won in the whole of last season um probably explains the reason why everyone's trying to go to away games all of a sudden uh, after (laughs) after the last couple of years where yeah it's not been too good it's not been too good at times um but I mean, Jamie, that that's unbelievable. I think we've got the best away record away from home as well, which isn't surprising considering how good we've been. I mean, we keep going away from home, scored three at Oxford, scored three today, obviously beat Wigan. We're beating some some teams and we're beating them pretty well as well, aren't we? We just look good. Yeah, and whenever you think about Derby, you always think at home we should be better because we're in front of Pride Park. We've got 30, well... 26,000 home fans, 27,000 home fans, whatever that might be, um, back in us. But, yeah, I don't know what it is. I think maybe away, and it's weird because away, I feel like we always talk about the handbrake, don't we? We've talked about it a couple of times this year on, on the pod. And actually, you'd think that the handbrake would probably be off at home, but it seems actually the handbrake is off away. I don't mm. understand that. You'd think we'd go to these places and write, OK, let's kind of grow into the game. And yes, we might take 15, 20 minutes to get going. But then when we get going, as you said there, we seem to be playing better football. We seem to be scoring goals. I think some of our best performances individually and as teams have come away from away from Pride Park. To be honest, I'm not going to complain about it because I think there's been seasons where we've gone away and we know that we're not going to win games. Whereas... I think at the moment we know that we'll go and, and and get a result. So I think for us we've just got to continue to to um you know improve the the home form for me. I think that's everyone. I think that's the team. I think that's Paul Warren. I think it's the fans as well in the stadium. Um I don't know what's happened to the South Stand over the last couple of years. It seems to be a lot quieter than it ever has been. Vince and I have fault. seen <laughs> yeah, it's it. That's I agree. It I agree. Not. I think I think the South Stand's rubbish. If I'm honest, I, I think it's always been a 12 man for us at home. 
Mm. And I think, yes, after Collins' goal against Peterborough, it was quite loud. And I was thinking, right, well, you know, let's keep this going. And it was five minutes and then it just went quiet again. And don't mm. get me wrong, I'm I'm never going to criticise those that are in there and trying to sing the songs and, and trying to make an atmosphere because it's quite difficult when there's not people doing it around you. However, I think that just needs to return because if we're going to get automatics or, God forbid, we end up in the playoffs, we need that playoff atmosphere in the stands to to really kind of suck the ball into the net like we've done on many different occasions. Look at the, you know, the struggles under um, Rooney when, you know, we were literally kind of begging for the ball in the back of the net and, and Tom Lawrence or whoever put it in the back of the net. So, yeah, I'm happy with the away form, but let's sort the home form out as well. I mean, just talking about that season, Fulham at home when we came from 1-0 mm. down to beat them, the atmosphere was incredible. Birmingham, 2-2. You know, once Plange got that goal, you talk about sucking it into the net. I think we repaired Bielik's entire body and then threw him <laughs> at the ball as a fan base so he'd score that overhead <laughs> kick. Sheffield United at home, you know, Lawrence when he put it top yeah. corner. You talk about the atmosphere making a difference. I think away from home, I think that's the big thing. Away from home, you've got your, your dedicated singing section, usually right in the middle. And I mean, when I buy tickets, I don't know about you, Vic, when I buy tickets, I try and get as close to that as possible because I know if I'm near there, people are going to be singing all game and it's easy to get involved and get together. I think mm. part of the problem is the South Stand's such a big stand when you think about it, especially at this level. It's such a big stand and everyone who sings is split up. And I do think, I know supporters groups have talked about it for years, having a, a dedicated singing section. I mean, maybe it's time to try something like that. Say, everyone who wants to sing, go here. Because if something doesn't change, it can hinder us. You know, yeah, it was great after we scored that second goal against Peterborough. But then the second that they were on the attack again, it died. And we didn't yeah. show that support, you know, away from home. Um, it's Oxford, we're 2-0 down. And all you could hear were Derby fans. I mean, I was in the away end, so maybe I'm biased. But all you could hear was Derby fans singing, you know, we are Derby, super Derby. We're 2 nil down after 10 minutes. And we were still singing. Whereas at home, if we're not 1-0 up within the first five minutes, mm. it dies. It dies every single game. So I think something has to be done. I don't know what the answer is. And if we did know the answer, the club probably would have the answer as well. But I think it it'd definitely be beneficial for us. I mean, I forgot what we were even talking about now I've gotten to this. This is clearly something <laughs> Sorry, quite Jake. passionate about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> away form. That was it. Away form. I mean, Callum just touched on it there. The atmosphere away from home is fantastic. I mean, I was mm. stuck at home watching on Rams TV. Um, and the, the atmosphere sounded great. All you could hear were the Derby fans all game. It makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Massive. I mean, um, when you look at um, every single game this season being sold out in the away end, um, week in, week out, no matter uh, who it is, or, and even the way we were playing at one point was was poor. I mean, when we were covering it during the period when we were um, questioning Paul Warren, um every single game it was still being sold out it doesn't really matter it just reminds me of the season um as say a, a few a few years ago under Lampard when like we played West Brom at home and stuff like that everyone was itching during a playoff run for the ball to be back in the back of the net and away from home is exactly the same and you have moments uh this season when it's been like that but then like you said um it just needs to be replicated at home. As say you, you say, when if we don't score in the first five minutes, well, we did against Peterborough, and it was still naff. So it was yeah. like 
it, it, I think away from home, you just have those. Um, it's almost like every single fan who sings at home is going to the away, and I don't know what it is, or if and it, it's just a hype when you're there, and you kind of you feel it's everyone there is against you, so then you kind of want to sing for your team and everything like that. It's kind of a different mentality when you're at home. You're in your comfort zone. You're everyone's at Pride Park, and it's a lovely stadium, and it's a nice um, atmosphere. It's friend, family friendly. When you're going away to these places, and you're getting shoved in the away end, and I mean, we've all been to them. Then sometimes they ain't great, and you're kind of it's it's them against us mentality. Um, and I think that just is a completely different ball game when it comes to to fans. Um, and I think we've uh, been uh, top notch um, every single game this year. Yeah, I think it does make a big difference, doesn't it? I mean, you talked about the impact of away versus home. I mean, for me, away games feel so much bigger. Like, yeah. you know, when when Port Vale, for example, you know, finish work, rush home so I can get changed mm. really quickly and, and go and meet Vic down in, in Stoke. And I was so excited. I spent the whole day thinking about it. Like I was, <laughs> I was buzzing for it. You know, Wigan on Boxing Day, Christmas Day, all me and my brother talked about was the fact we were going to Wigan. <laughs> Wigan of all places you know so it just feels so much bigger it does feel bigger I mean mm. Vic obviously you, you you're you lucky enough to be part of the 15 plus club that goes to every single game <laughs> and can always get tickets uh, lucky you um, I mean do you echo that sentiment yeah I'd, I'd pretty much echo that but then I also think the way Warren sets up as well it's perfect away from home like you're more or less guaranteed some sort of result but that's a point or three just because the way we play. Um, but the the fans have really been the 12th round sort of away from home. Like you said, we're selling out all the, all the away grounds. We're packing them. We're getting behind the fans. You, you were there at Oxford and literally it was like it was like Leeds away. It was reminiscent of that. You've got the vocal support and the lads need it. But we seem to produce away from home because I think the pressure is less on us away from home as it is at home. I think if we're not 2 nil up by 50 seconds at home, then obviously the fans sort of... <laughs> get on your back but away from home you know it's like a siege mentality it's like Callum was saying it's it's us against them uh, we'll take on the whole world and I think that's why the away record's so good mixed with the fact that the way Paul sets up is is bang on for away games if we can replicate that at home that'd be brilliant I mean the south is it the southwest corner I think that's probably mm. the loudest loudest mm. part of the ground at the minute but I think the whole ground needs to contribute to it um, even the Sandwich Brigade in the West End, I think they need to contribute. If we can get, if we can get all Can't four stands... Can't call them that. <laughs> I, used to sit, I used to sit there, it's fine. I had a half a season it, ticket there as well. <laughs> Jamie, he's, yeah. he's talking directly to you then, mate. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> I think if we can get if we can get all four stands just back in literally back in the the team, I think if, we won't even need to think about playoffs. We can go straight for the autos. We need to be the twelfth round at home as well as be our way. So let's hopefully get that going with the next home game at Burton, big big old local derby. So hey. yeah, let's let's start there. <laughs> Yeah, I think they've sold about 200 tickets, so it's going to be some atmosphere. And that's not even slander. That's genuine at this point. They've, they've, they're in a horrible run of form at the minute. I think they're getting a bit disenchanted, so hopefully we can make the most of that. Um, got an interesting comment from Jim Johnston um, about the way we play home and away. He says, when we play at home, teams try and soak up pressure, sit back, defend, and then we're away from home because they're the home team. They feel like they have to go for it. Uh, and, and I get it. That makes perfect sense. Um, because yeah, we kind of we kind of need it. Um, and and Cosworth has said on on Twitter, he says if fans replicated the admin season into a potential promotion season at home, we'd be really really hard to beat. And he, he's absolutely right. 
Um, and one final one from a guy who simply called himself C. He says, new layout looks good, boys. If you're watching on YouTube, let us know if you like it. Uh, I spent almost 10 minutes making this. So, uh, yeah, if you do like it, then uh, please let us know. Um, and if you listen on audio, maybe you should come on YouTube and have a look. Mm. See what it looks like. You can see Jamie looking really happy in his dimly lit room. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but right, let's let's get back onto the football and let's get back onto the Fleetwood game. Um, one of the things talked about, I know obviously Colin scored, he took his goal well. One of the big things that's come out over the last few weeks is, is Derby apparently after Corey Blackett-Taylor, um, obviously a winger, um, but can play up front as well. And we've been linked with about 15 different youth centre mids from the Premier League. I mean, a striker and midfielder, to me, that makes sense. I think that's uh, Derby's aim. Jamie, what's your thought? Yeah, I think a creative player in the midfield for me. Um, and then I'd also have a winger. And then depending on what happens with JJ, potentially another striker as well. I imagine over the next week or so, we'll find out what's happening with John Jules. Um, obviously, he got his, his first start uh, under under Warm, which was, which was good to see. Thought he had a good game. Um, if it was me, I'd, I'd, I'd potentially keep him. I think rather than try and have a gamble with a another kind of Premier League loan in that position, I, I'd rather keep John Jules, obviously out of contract at the, at the end of the year as well. If we could maybe pick him up past you know past this season, then that would be great. Obviously linked with yeah with um, the Charlton winger, um, and I think looking at him, he looks like a, a Paul Warren player in his prime. Didn't realise how high he was on the League One mm. um, scoring charts, actually, until I saw it today. Um, so, yeah, I think if it's the case that we go out and make him our number one target, I I'd quite like Paul Warren to get on FaceTime or whatever he does and uh, and talk to him or invite him to a game of ice hockey or WWE <laughs> or NFL or whatever that might be. Um, he really suits what we're trying to what we're trying to do, I think. So... A uh, player that can, you know, play wide, play through the middle, score goals. Charlton don't want him to go, but he is out of contract, I believe, at the end of the season. So they might not have much choice. Hopefully we can get that one over the line. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. And yeah, let's hope we can keep going down that road. Um, and, and Callum as well. I mean, one of the things I'm just looking at Derby's formation from yesterday. Uh, we moved into that back three, which was um, interesting, I think. We've probably looked a little bit more open than usual. I think the back three usually always does. Um, one of the things that's interesting to me is, you know, obviously no Niambi at the minute, but we've only got three centre-backs, really. Um, and we, if we're playing a back three, we've only got three out-and-out centre-backs. Would we need to bring another centre-half in? Would we bring in another midfielder and go to back four? What do you reckon? Uh, Centre half is, I think, it's just all um, dependent on the former Bradley. Uh, say you've got two mainstays. I don't think you need another one because obviously Forsyth can play there if need be. Uh, obviously, Nambi can play there. He's obviously out with the Africa Cup of Nations, but I think you've got enough cover there. So I don't think you really need a centre half, uh, in all can honesty. I play devil's advocate very quickly, Callum. Go on then. Go on then, if mate. If Fozzie <laughs> plays in the middle, that means that Elder has to play left wing back. Would you be happy with Elder starting every game at left wing back? Has he impressed you? Uh, his name's Callum, so yes. All right. That's, that's fair. So, yes. <laughs> That's what you get, mate. But yeah, no, no, I think he, he, the only thing with, with Callum Elder, I think everyone's quite quick to jump on the back of his one or two performances, but you've got to realise he's been out injured. Mm -hmm. He's only had one or two opportunities um, 
come straight into it. Yes, a couple of appearances off the bench, but it's going to take a while for him to get back up to match fitness and to see really give him a, a good opportunity and then assess him. I think if we just go off the hype of a couple of games, I think it's probably a bit unfair. So I'm going to give him the benefit of doubt. And and it, but if he does flop after this half season, then yeah, I will go against my uh, my 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 pre-season uh, hype that I had for him. <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes sense. And Vic, last one on transfers. I mean, you know, Cashin looks like he's set to stay, um, which is brilliant news for us. Um, one of the best players in League One. He's the highest rated defender in League One at the minute. And it's no surprise, is it? Because he is excellent. I don't think he's quite as good when he plays in a three. He basically plays as a left back a lot of the time. I think it exposes him a little bit. Um, but he, he's such a fantastic player. Um I mean, I'll, I'll mirror the same question that I've asked the other guys, Vic. I mean, if you're going to pick two positions or three positions, where would you want us to strengthen? And if you've got any names in your head right now, who are you thinking? Uh, well, we definitely need another striker. So, obviously, if John Jules, I think I did actually ask him that question when I seen him yesterday. Are you staying? He said, hopefully. And from what I understand, I think uh, it's just a case of finances at the minute. I think all parties are happy with it. So, John Jules, but I still think we need another striker. I quite like the lad at Swindon. Um, can't remember his name. He's just returned back to his parent club on loan. But he I was the top goal scorer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. It's not Dan something. It's the other one because two of them have just returned. Oh, is it Young? I'm guessing here. I'm Young, throwing. I think it is. Yeah, I yeah, is I think it? it. I think it is. Yeah. So All he's got about, about seven, sixteen goals in League Two. I'd, I'd take a punt on him. Twenty-two years old. Um, very quick. Um, got an eye for goal. I'd take a punt on that on a permanent. Uh, and the other other position, I'd probably say left back, um, just because I'm not convinced on Callum Elder. Sorry, Callum. Um, <laughs> but obviously, if something happens to Fozzie, and if he does revert back to uh, uh, the back three and put Fozzie in, the, like, in that back three, I just think maybe we could do a bit more cover on left back. But then I reckon Corey, well, uh, Blackett Taylor could play there as well. So, yeah, those are my two positions I'd ideally go for. Yeah, I mean, we, we've got a strong team, haven't we? And I think if we got two or three more players of real quality in, I think we do all right. Um, and, and we've got a question uh, from To The Point Stream saying, would you sign John Jules to a contract? That's a hard one. That's a hard one. I think I would. I think I would, depending on his wages. Um, if he's asking mm. for wages in line with, you know, some of the, I guess, main players in the team, you'd probably like, fair enough. If he's asking for championship, you know, Premier League level wages, I think we'd... Uh, We'd, we'd probably not. <laughs> we'd probably not. Um, so, right, just to finish it off, um, we'll, we'll do the preview now. We're not sure when our next episode after this will come out because the Burton game's on a Monday, which completely destroys our schedule. Um, so thanks for that, Sky. Um, but we've got two games. We've got Bradford in the Bristol Street Motors Trophy, uh, the EFL Trophy, the Papa John's Trophy, whatever you want to call it. And then we've got Burton on the Monday. Uh, it's going to be two very different games. Uh, Bradford are in abysmal form at the minute in League Two. They're down in 14th. Um, haven't looked anything like the team they've been in recent seasons and are, and are struggling quite a lot. Um, and also Burton, I mean, like I said already, they're in, in free fall a little bit. They've had a couple of decent results, but looking at fans' comments, the performances haven't been quite what they've wanted. I mean, Jamie, I want score prediction. I want goal scorers. And anyone watching live, give us yours too. So my theory is that we are going to get to Wembley and lose against a team that we beat to automatic promotion 
That's my theory. So I think we're going to beat Bradford. We're going to beat them 2-1, two goals from Louis Sibley. And everyone's going to be like, oh, hold on a minute, Louis Sibley again, maybe. And then he won't play for another <laughs> six weeks. Uh, so 2-1 against Bradford. And then Burton, I think that they're in a bit of, like you said before, they're in a bit of abysmal form. I think we've got to be taken then to the cleaners. So I'll go a 3-0 victory. James Collins, 2 and a goal from Max Bird. How about that? <laughs> I hope you're right, Cal. I'm going to go 3 uh, 1 against Bradford. Um, I think that uh, we've performed well in this trophy. I think we've, that we can really uh, take them to the cleaners this week. Um, and then uh, Burton, I'll have to go a win because it's uh, the, the, the household derby uh, here. So I will go for a win. I'll go 2 0. Um, they're still searching for a new manager, I think, according to my brother. So um, they're, they're, they're kind of all over the shop. Well, it's weird with Burton because um, they're supposedly looking for a new manager, but mm. the owner's come out and said that he's the the one they're sticking with for the entire transfer window. So that's uh, an interesting <laughs> one for Burton and why their fans are in such disarray at the minute. Um, and we'll have a preview for that midweek with Dave Fletcher, which will be good fun. And last but certainly not least, we've got Mr Vic Singh. What do you reckon? I think Bradford, I think we'll comfortably win 3-1. Um, goal scores, I'll go with Sibley with two. And we'll go with Joe Ward with the other. And then I think when we get to Burton, I think it'll be a 2-0 win. And we'll keep a clean sheet. And I'll go with Collins to keep that hype train up and obviously help Jamie win his bet. And <laughs> it's a pen. It's a pen. It's a... <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? You know what? For all the haters, we'll go with the Max Bird goal as well. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Before I get to the comments, um, I reckon Bradford, I think we'll rotate a little bit. Um, I'd, I'd hope we'd have too much quality for them, especially at home. I think we'll win 2-0 um, and another good performance in the EFL trophy. I think goal scoring wise, I think it'll be some unorthodox ones. Max, Max, I know you said Max Sibley. Max Sibley will score. Um, <laughs> that so is Max, it is. Max Bird will score. Louis Sibley will score. How about that? Um, in a 2 0 win, and uh, Burton, I think it'll be tighter than we think, but I think it'll be another 2 0 win. Um, they've got a couple of good attacking players, but um, I, I think we'll be all right. I think we'll be all right, and we'll be one day closer to Niambi coming back, so that's uh, that's perfect for us. Um, and I think, yeah, 2 0 win. I think James Collins will score one, and I think Mendes Lang will carry on his good form. Um, I think he, he's a top player in this league nowadays, isn't he? So, yeah, I think he'll carry that on. And looking at the comments, we've got Alex who says we're going to be, um, I forgot, we're playing Bradford 3 1 and we're going to beat Burton 2 0. We've got Jim Johnson who says Bradford, we're going to win 4 0 and a 2 0 win against Burton. And Kieran Newlands who's come out and said Derby 2, Burton 0 with goals from Barcase and then Hurrit Hands. So, yeah, let us know what you think on Twitter or wherever, wherever you want to let us know. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. It's uh, been a good episode. Thank God we beat Fleetwood because if we'd lost them and Peterborough in a week, this would have been a horrible episode to record. Uh, if you did enjoy, please do leave a like, give us a rating, whatever you want to do. Um, and if you did enjoy, give us a rating of five star on whatever you listen on. We really do appreciate it. We'll put a lot of work in. So, yeah, be really appreciated. Um, and, yeah, subscribe if you're on YouTube as well. And if you listen normally, please go over to YouTube and, and, and give us a subscribe. Um, it's always good to get more people involved and part of the community, which is great. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. 
Thank you very much, everyone. We'll see you after Burton. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.